Love the British monarchy? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey. Hi, all Kinsey here with the To Die For Daily podcast, and I have such a treat for you today. I got Victoria Arbiter, the royal commentator and author. Um, Victoria, you have been on my radar for so long because you are so sophisticated and beautiful. And no matter, even if you don't care about the royals, you stop and look whenever you're on TV because you are so fascinating and just brilliant. Uh, so I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, gosh, Kinsey, that is an incredibly kind and generous introduction. I hope I can live up to expectations, but thank you. I am tickled pink by that. That's very generous of you to say. Were you um, named after Queen Victoria? (laughs) No, but it's odd that it's a family profession. No, I was actually born in Zimbabwe and I was, well, I guess by extension, I was sort of named after Victoria Falls, which of course was named after Queen Victoria. So I guess you can go back and, and do it that way. I was christened with water from Victoria Falls. And then when I had my son, a friend happened to be going to Zimbabwe and she scooped some water out of the Zambezi River and we boiled it and popped it in the freezer and it's there for his children one day. So that's the connection to Victoria. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, Now, what's so exciting about you is that you are a true insider. I mean, not a lot of people can say that they shared an address with Princess Diana and Catherine, the Princess of Wales. You grew up in Kensington Palace as as a young woman. Can you tell me what that experience was like? Sure. Well, it was the late, the latter part of my teens that I was living at Kensington Palace. And it's funny, Kinsey, I'm sure you have the same. You know, when you're a kid, your parent just does what they do. I mean, you're really not terribly fussed about it. It's more important what's for dinner. So um, I didn't really appreciate it, I suppose, at the time. It just happened to be where we lived. Now, I do want to kind of add a little perspective. Yes, we were living within the grounds of Kensington Palace, but we were in the old stable block. So we didn't have gilt leaf ceilings and tapestries and sort of lots of grand grand things around. But it was a very special time to be there. As you mentioned, Diana, Princess of Wales was living there at the time. William and Harry were quite young. Princess Margaret was there. So there was always someone coming and going. And I've likened it in the past to uh, perhaps aging myself a little bit, but it was a little like the regal version of Melrose Place because we were all occupying this one spot. But there were eye-opening moments too where you recognised the full scale of where we were and and the security implications as a result. So um, Kensington Palace occupies sort of the top part of the green and then alongside running parallel is a road where all the embassies are and a lot of residences for foreign uh, hoi polloi. And there was one day I was coming home and all of Kensington High Street had been blocked off and we, we couldn't get through, didn't know what was happening. And it turns out that someone had managed to drive a car. I don't know how they got past security and they had parked outside the Israeli residence, and it was a car bomb. And the car exploded with such force, the engine flew over our house and landed in Kensington Gardens. And we were finally allowed home. And of course, we were just so worried, what about the cat? What's happened to the cat? And the, the front door had burst in and the glass had shattered in all of the windows. Thankfully, the cat was fine. But that was quite a stark reminder. of It wasn't just home. It happened to be where some very important, very significant people lived and and the police had quite a job on their hands securing the area. 
Oh my goodness. I, that must've been terrifying being a young woman and experiencing that. Um, did you realize right, right then and there that you're, I mean, I'm sure you realized long before, but your dad had a really important job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly I did. And he used to, you know, in those days, uh, early on, the IRA was still a big issue, particularly in the capital. And he was required to check underneath his car every time before he got in it. And, but it was all just sort of part and parcel. And I think, Kinsey, it was interesting because from when I was very small, my dad, first of all, was a, he was one of the very first court correspondents for LBC. A court correspondent hadn't really existed in quite the same capacity beforehand, but it was when Diana hit the scene that suddenly there was this rush on a need for royal information and so they had these sort of more specialized roles so from as young as I could remember that's all he ever did so when he was with LBC I grew up with my dad on my own I have a lovely relationship with my mum but my parents separated when I was very small and at weekends he couldn't get a babysitter so he would take me along to all of the events that he had to cover and I was given a stern talking to beforehand don't speak while I'm on air but enjoy the spectacle so I would stand on the roof of the news van at True the color and we had a spectacular view and at Remembrance Sunday we were on one of the balconies opposite the foreign uh, Commonwealth office where the royals stand for the Remembrance Sunday commemorations and so it was just always part of life. Dad might not be able to come to a sports day event because he just so happened to be at a film premiere with Diana Princess of Wales or whatever it was. Um, But yeah it's now I can look back and sort of really appreciate what a a treat it was to have a front row seat to so many of these dazzling experiences. And to this day, I mean, nothing rocks my world more than a marching band. I mean, I love them. I absolutely love them. And I've been teased mercilessly both by friends and other, other people in the Royal sphere, but give me the Royal Marines marching along the mall. Oh, I go nuts. I love it. Oh my gosh. I bet you're so fun at cocktail parties. It's just like people asking you a million questions uh, like I'm doing now. I did want to focus on Catherine and Diana because I feel like um, particularly Catherine, she kind of gets lost in the shuffle because she's so not controversial. Um, You did say you, you had written, um, well, I'm saying that there have been a lot of grenades thrown at her over the last three years. But what you wrote about Catherine, which I thought was so interesting, was that she ignores these inflammatory reports. She refuses to respond to criti- criticism on social media and she rises above the noise, which is a great way of describing her. Where does she get the strength to do that? Because Diana handled negative attention very differently than Catherine does. I think ultimately it's the strength of a family unit, Kinsey. Diana had a very unhappy childhood. I think she adored both of her parents, but their divorce had a devastating impact, particularly on her and her brother, because they were the youngest ones left at home. And there's a lot to be said for that tight family unit. And I think she really is a credit to her mother in particular. And and the reason I said, I think her whole family is very close and you can see they are, and they really lean on each other. It was interesting when James Middleton talked about his experiences with depression and how he said both of his sisters would go along to appointments with him. This is a very tight family, but I think there's a lot to be said for her mother giving her the example that 
yes, women go out to work. And this is a good thing because a mother can't get lost sort of in just being someone's mother. It is one of the greatest privileges on earth to be a mother, but you don't want to lose your identity. And so she was obviously able to set up a business that she could run from home. But at the same time, she was always at the school gates to pick up her children from school. So they knew that they could lean on her, depend on her. And so I think that's really a model that was established very early on for Kate. And that's what she's tried to implement in her own family, albeit quite difficult with, with the royal schedule being what it is. It's not a typical nine to five. But I think at the end of the day, Kate has the confidence that she does because uh, she has the love and support of a family that is there for her no matter what. And I do think regardless of where anyone sits with the Middletons, I know there's been a lot of scandal this week about party pieces, uh, having a financial loss being sold. But I do think it's a credit to the Middleton family as well that none of them have risen to the noise either. Not once have they pushed back when there have been so many accusations, many of them based in classism and sexism and jealousy and whatever else you want to throw at it. They've maintained a dignified silence. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. I do. I agree. Uh, you can't help but really admire them. Um, you've you've previously compared Catherine a little bit to the Queen in the idea that we really don't know what's on her mind. We don't know where she stands on topics. Um, is that mystery harder to manage today? And what is the benefit of that for the royal family, for the future of the monarchy, the mystery that surrounds Catherine? I think the mystery is key in, in many respects. You know, you don't want to lift the veil because you know, to coin a phrase from Us Weekly, you know, the minute they're just like us, uh, then who cares? It, it doesn't matter anymore. So you do want to keep a veil of mystery. And I think she's been very savvy in terms of how she's shared just enough. Like she's admitted parenting is hard. I think she acknowledges that she has more help than most, but she does also want to be a hands-on mother. And just because she happens to be a princess, it doesn't mean she doesn't struggle with the own uh, emotional difficulties of raising a child, the sense of not being perfect enough, being tired, or the rest of it. But we know just enough to be able to feel like we can identify her, whether it's through her passions, photography, um, early childhood, those sorts of things. But we don't know it so much that we that we sort of feel like we know too much. Sorry, that, that sounds a bit convoluted the way I just phrased that. But I think that's where the Queen was brilliant. She was absolutely masterful because we never knew her political thoughts or leanings. Obviously, she was a devout Christian woman, but we didn't typically know what she liked to read, what music she listened to. Uh, I can tell you she was a huge fan of the musical Oklahoma. And I think Kate has done something similar. I know, random. She loved it. She loved a bit of Oscar uh, Rogers and Hammerstein. So, um, and, I, and I think that's the key because that's what keeps Kate interesting. And I think a lot of people have really enjoyed following her because it does feel like they can identify with her. She wears clothes from Zara. Yeah. You know, Diana very rarely wore high street clothes. Of course she did on occasion, but I think as well expectations have changed when Diana was really in the throes of, of royal life, there was an expectation that a princess had to look and be and behave a certain way. And today, I think society's expectations of royalty mean there's not quite the same pressure. We do want the tiaras and we do want her to look like a princess in the right forum. 
But there's something to be said as well about seeing her with the kids sitting in the back of the car at the polo and they're having a picnic and she's got one running in every direction and she's trying to you know corral them and 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 keep them under control. So I, I think it's a it's a difficult thing to do, but she's she's managed to do it very very well. And it seems like there is a demand for them to be active on social media. So they're, uh, you know, to to be more present, Um, although I think that they're doing a great job. I do see the criticism. I think that there was some I think it was the Daily Mail three, maybe four weeks ago, said that they were hijacking Charles and Camilla's moment. And so I I do think that that's got to be such a hard thing to or a hard line to 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 kind of balance giving people what they want or information or posting on social media, which is something that the Royal family had never had to deal with before a few years ago and, and keeping that mystery. And do you think that Catherine's doing an excellent job of that? I think you just use the keyword Kinsey, which is balance. And she's managing to find that balance at the moment. And sure, there is always going to be criticism, particularly in this social media era where everybody has a voice. And nine times out of 10, the keyboard warriors are hiding behind a picture of a puppy and some weird name with 20,000 numbers, you know. So <laughs> does their opinion matter? This is a work in progress for me because of course I oh get my, my feelings hurt all the time. And yeah, I know you do too. Yeah, and it's really hard to disassociate because you're like, why are you being mean to me? You don't know me. I I don't get it. Um, But I think they're giving just enough. And yes, there was a little criticism post-coronation because there were these very glossy behind-the-scenes type videos. But they're damned either way, aren't they? Because if they don't do that, then it's they're stuck in the old system and they don't give enough and they're not appealing to the younger generation. And I think... It's the older generation that typically seems to be more in support of the monarchy. The younger generation is the future. And so there has to be a little bit more emphasis on them. And the way to draw them in is to be able to access them on the mediums that mean something to them. My son doesn't watch anything anymore unless it's on YouTube or Instagram. And and it's got to be these short little snippets because, of course, everyone's got the attention span of a goldfish. So I think they've done a really good job at just giving a little bit of insight. You know, it's fun. We all we all scroll in on that when there's ever anything shot at Kensington Palace to see what photographs are in the frames in the background. What books are they reading? How have they decorated their homes? Um, and so, yes, it, it's just enough. But I think you're right. It's all about balance. And they're going to try some things. It's not going to work. Other things, it's going to knock it out of the park. And it's it's a constant movable feast with social media being the beast it is. I just can't imagine if social media were around when Princess Diana was here, how many tweets she would have to delete. <laughs> oh, I immediately yes. regret that decision. Um, yes, I think so. And also, though, I think you know she was so strong in so many ways. I adored Diana. You know, I can I see no wrong, but I do appreciate at the same time when you die in the prime of your life in such tragic circumstances to some degree she's been elevated to sainthood but she was a human being and so mistakes would have been made but she also was very susceptible to feeling hurt at certain press reports because it is difficult anybody in the public eye it doesn't matter who you are when there is a incorrect story published about you you want to push back you want to say no that isn't true but then it just feeds the beast um and I think Diana might have 
struggled with that. It really hurt her feelings. It was around the landmine crisis. I know you've, you've got extensive knowledge on Diana and she was in Angola and she was accused of being a loose cannon. And that would have hurt terribly because she really was there trying to highlight a very serious issue. And she recognized that with her platform, she could draw attention to it. So to then have someone back at home just referring to her as a loose cannon was hurtful. Imagine that magnified on social media. Oh my gosh, I can't. Well, I actually had that written down. Um, you know, do you think, because you said saint, but I, I, I often say, you know, we think of her as a martyr now. Um, do you think she would agree with that? Because I almost felt like she enjoyed that royal rebel reputation that she had towards the end. Sorry, Kinsey, cat incoming. Oh it's no, like I, love I love it. I love it. I just have my dog right here. And she's coming back. I'll, we'll say hi too. Here, this is Edie. I would love that. Oh my goodness, what a face! Gorgeous. Um, um, yes, yeah, so they're, they're wonderful. Um, so sorry, you said uh, sorry. I got distracted about oh, yeah. what, how she would have responded. And now a word from our sponsor. Yeah, like I, I feel like she, is she? We almost and I, I well, I would, I would correct myself in saying that the crown and some of. Uh, some of Harry and Meghan, what Harry and Meghan have done over the last few years, I think they might have changed the direction, but it's almost like we look to her as a martyr um, these days. And I don't know if she would e even agree with that or uh, enjoy that. I think she kind of liked being the royal rebel. I think she kind of, you know, I think that there was a lot of purpose behind her branding towards the end of her life. And it wasn't in this direction. You know, she was often on 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 yachts with playboys. Yeah, I think that's a very good assessment, Kinsey. At the same time, I'm really glad actually you raised this question because there is a misconception today, again, social media, it is, it is such a monster, that Diana wanted to tear down the monarchy. She wanted to destroy the monarchy. But she said herself, why would I want to do that? It is my son's future. And I think she was immensely proud to be the mother of the future king. Uh, she confided in, in William probably more than she should have given his young age. Um, but I think she was very proud of him and what his life would be. And that's why she invested so much time in ensuring both her children went to homeless shelters and both her children understood their privilege. So yes, I do think she liked pushing the envelope and doing things differently, giving big hugs. Uh, she, there was always a mischievous twinkle in her eyes. She would be quite cheeky and a little bit naughty. And I, I liked that about her because it made her accessible. It made her fun. And I think perhaps that's where the modern royals, they don't go down that road terribly often because everybody has an opinion now. It's interesting. I think William and Kate have a really great sense of humour, quite a naughty sense of humour as well. But you don't often see it on display because they don't want to overshadow from the event that they're at. Whereas Diana didn't hesitate. You'd see a winked camera and, you know, there'd be a, a cheeky aside. Um, so, yes, I do think she liked that she was bringing something different. But at the same time, she did have enormous respect for the Queen and they did get on very well, contrary to popular belief. This is one of those myths that become fact that Diana and the Queen hated each other. It's simply not true. Um, they just had a very different style. And I think the Queen recognised that she had a different style, but she also recognised that it worked. And so I think she was glad for Diana to do what worked for her she wasn't a dictator it's like William has said in the past she would quickly tell you if she didn't like how you were doing something but for the most part she wanted people to find their own way 
Well, I've never heard it described that way. And that made me feel very good. I mean, for you to say that the queen recognized that Diana was different, but she was a blessing or she was an asset. Um, That's the first time I've ever heard that. So thank you for saying that. That that was um, beautifully uh, explained. I I wanted to say about what you were just saying about Prince William. I was, um, you know, I met him for the first time in a large group of people during the coronation, and I'd never been near him before. Other, I'd I'd seen him from a distance, and I couldn't believe how animated and, and fun and free he was. For some reason, and maybe it's because I'm an American and my in, you know, real introduction to him is the death of his mother. I sure. felt like he was very protective and very closed off and very serious. And to see him animated, so sweet, willing to engage um, was a real surprise to me. And it was such a pleasant surprise. Uh, so it's great to hear that he's got a, a fun sense of humor and he's a little cheeky like his mom. He really is. And I think sometimes what gets lost in translation, Kinsey, and this is very much a British trait, a lot of his humour is self-deprecating. He's always, to make someone laugh, he's going to put himself down. That's just what we do. But sometimes a bit of irony or a bit of wit or a bit of sarcasm doesn't always translate across the pond. And so sometimes things he has said are taken out of context. But I'm so glad you had that experience. And I think he's more comfortable in himself as well. A happy marriage will do that to you. The support of the extended family, the Middletons, that helps. He's actually intrinsically quite shy. Harry was the cheeky go-getter as a child because he didn't have the same level of responsibility. And I think William, being a couple of years older, was more cognizant of the breakdown of his parents' marriage. And so there was a more serious side to him. Just because two children are born from the same parents, they're going to have totally different personalities. But I think we are seeing that more and more that relaxed side of William and I think that's a testament to how happy he is how much he has grown into his role he's embracing it a bit more I don't think it's any secret that early on if you'd have asked him do you want to be king he'd have probably said no I I think it was something he's wrestled with a lot but he recognizes now that there's this incredible platform and an opportunity to do amazing things with it. And so it was great, particularly, I thought, with the Earthshot Prize, that he sort of found something that he could pour all of his energy in and that it could represent a legacy in a similar vein to the Duke of Edinburgh Awards and the Prince's Trust that were set up by his father and grandfather. That is beautiful. Can I ask you one more question? I know it's we're hitting the mark. Um, I read oh, that- good. I read that you did go-karts with Princess Diana. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Yes, it was was very special. So school holidays and um, she she used to do these wonderful team building exercises with her office. She was great fun. Now, she could if she didn't like what you said on one occasion, she'd shut you out for a couple of weeks and then she'd get over it. She'd move on. Uh, But the other side of that was that there were always fun things that were happening around the office. So she had a arranged a go-karting outing for the office so it was her bodyguard Ken Wolf, um, other people that were working in the office and I can't remember where the facility was but we went along and she had organized the teams and so her team she was referred to as the boss so it was the boss then she had her chauffeur and her I think Ken Wolf was on her team basically she had arranged it so that her team was the best set of drivers <laughs> and um they were totally cheating. So for every 
every one round of theirs, she was counting too. So needless to say, her team killed it and they won. But she knew what she was doing. And this is what I mean about her sense of humor, Kinsey, because it was just a wink and a giggle. She knew that everybody knew she was cheating, but everyone was having so much fun and they expected it. And they were, they adored her. Her staff adored her. Was she complicated? Yes. Was it challenging? Yes. Was it frustrating when she shut you out? Yes. All of those things. But again, she was a human being and underneath it all she was so generous and so giving and so thoughtful if I remember one time dad was flying back from somewhere with her I was at boarding school and she saw him writing a postcard to me so she wrote a line on the bottom of it it was little things like that where she remembered what was happening in people's families so anyway we went go-karting and then at the end she she had her overalls on and she had big classic white 90 style trainers on but she couldn't be bothered to take her trainers off to get her overalls off so she stuck her leg in my face and said can you pull my overalls off so we're saying there she's on the floor she's pulling one way I'm pulling the other way and we eventually managed to muddle through but a sad thing that happened as a result, um, a photographer had been hired to capture private photographs for the office, private photographs, and he sold them to the tabloids. And oh. so a couple of days later, those pictures were all over the papers. And that's when she was bummed out because it's like you do something nice, it's private, but then somebody wants to cash in. And I think that would have been very difficult throughout her life as can I trust you or are you trying to cash in? And it's a problem the royals still have today. And I do wonder if that's why she was so smitten with you because you're, you're sweet. There's that innocence, you know, she knows that children are just good, you know? Um, so when I was reading that about the go-karting, I thought that must have been a unique relationship because you were a young woman and, you know, she knew that you just, there was nothing in it for you. You weren't going to go whisper to Fleet Street, you know? No, didn't care. And also we bonded over ballet, Kinsey. I went to a full-time ballet school. She was the patron of our school. Uh, I sadly wasn't there when she paid a visit to the school. She was there a couple of years before I went, but she just loved the ballet. And a couple of the girls that I was at ballet school ended up joining the English National Ballet and she was the patron there and she would go and visit. And she was really, really involved. And so it was it was nice to kind of have that common bond as well something to talk about she would always ask what's happening at school and who are your favorite teachers and what are you working on and um and there was when I when I left school I was doing a show for Disney in in Leicester Square and it was a it was a 15 minute show 20 minute show to launch the Lion King and so we wrote to her and said do you want to bring the boys do you want to come and she sent a letter back and said oh we've actually already seen a pirate copy of the Lion King but thank you anyway <laughs> so, got, I know somebody I know somebody exactly exactly so yeah I think my my lasting memories of her really more than anything of course strikingly beautiful even more beautiful in the flesh she had that aura that you know not everyone is born with that she could clear a room just walking in because everyone was dazzled but her sense of humor really cheeky really fun naughty uh but kind it was never at the expense of anybody else and I'll just, I'm so sorry to ask you this, this, but this just popped Please, into my please. head. Um, 
when you watch The Crown, knowing her and having met her in real life, does it disappoint you at all that there's so much focus on the eating disorder, that there's so much focus on the heartbreak? Because you're explaining to me someone that lit up a room, someone that was inherently, you know, joyful. And that's not really what we're seeing over the last few years in this, in this um, you know, reemergence of Diana. Another brilliant question, Kinsey. Again, I'm so glad you referred to this because I think Diana and Princess Margaret have been given the same treatment. You know, both of them are remembered for the tragedy in their life. And I guess that's because tragedy sells as a, you know, the old newspaper adage, if it bleeds, it leads. And so it's not the good news. It's not the happy stuff that tends to make the front pages. And Diana and Princess Margaret, both very complex characters because they were human beings. And we tend to elevate people to this pedestal where they become two-dimensional figures. But Diana was also a very well-rounded person. Yes, terrible things happened in her life. There was great sadness, but there was also immense joy. And she lived her life to the fullest. I think she genuinely wanted to use her platform to give back. It was never a self-aggrandizing exercise. It was, what can I do and genuinely do it? And also, you know, it wasn't self-aggrandizing because so much of it was in private. She used to sneak out of Kensington Palace late at night and she would go to the red light districts in London and she'd wind down her window and give the girls some money and she'd say, don't work tonight, go home, go oh home. Oh my gosh. Nobody knew about that. Nobody she didn't want any praise for that or credit for that it was just she wanted to go and look out for people she recognized her privilege she recognized the the platform and that she had the ability to change someone else's life and I and I think that's what made her so special Oh, what a beautiful way to end the podcast. Victoria, I am so excited that I got to meet you and and speak to you and um you know I think it's been a while since there's been such happy memories of Diana shared. So I'm so grateful for you and, and, and just, and, and for sharing these, these moments with me. Oh, well, thank you, Kenzie. And I'm so glad, you know, it's, it's important that we be remembered for the whole being, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, she was so much more than the drama and the angst and, and all of that. And I think the crown did her a terrible disservice actually, because it would have been wonderful to see that other side of her. Uh, same with Princess Margaret, um, but hopefully there are enough people that know that it's a fictionalized account set against a historical backdrop. And I encourage people to sort of try and learn more about the other side. Um, she was a wonderful human being and I cherished my experiences with her and I remember her for all the good stuff. <laughs> 